for you, and, and God is just so good and so faithful. Um, so today we're, we're continuing on uh, life in the Spirit. If you don't know, we're in this theme this year, a presence-driven life. And uh, I've been in this series, I've called the Spirit Series, but there's actually a bunch of different uh, sections, series, if you will, within it. And we've been talking about life in the Spirit. And so um, last week, this, today I want to continue on talking about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because last week, if you remember, or last time I spoke rather, uh, we talked about how the Holy Spirit was played such an integral part in the early church's life. Right, And I showed different examples from the book of Acts. Uh, and we talked about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us, but also how he reveals his will to us, right? If you guys remember. And I said one of the main keys, one of the main ways that uh, we develop that capacity or the ability to hear God's voice more clearly is through intimacy with the Holy Spirit, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. And so I gave you this verse uh, and it's really a key verse uh, that I'm going to use a lot because I just love it. And it says so much. It's, it's power-packed. So I have the question, how do you live life in the Spirit? 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says it all. Okay? So it says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship, or the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And you can see that the Trinity is represented in this one scripture, and it really shows some of the main emphasis of the Trinity here, that everything's predicated on the love of God, right? And our entire salvation, our relationship with him is through grace, right? The grace of Jesus Christ. And then when we become born again, when we become believers and we enter into his kingdom, the way we would sustain this relationship is through fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to uh, continue on this just to talk about fellowship because this is such an important part of life in the Spirit. And I would suggest a lot of, a lot of life in the Spirit that we're going to talk about is predicated on intimacy with God. Um, and, and those of you who know Catch the Fire know that's a huge value we have. That's the second value in the FIRE acronym. I stands for intimacy through communion with God. And so what I wanted to show you today is, is this, emphasize this word fellowship. Other translations say communion. What does it actually mean? So in the original Greek, it's the word koinonia. How many of you heard of that word before? Yeah, it's, a pretty, it's pretty commonly used these days even. But that's the word that's translated fellowship. And I just wanted to give you a few different definitions of that word or cinema, synonyms that encompass that word, Okay. So fellowship, communion, companionship, communication, intimacy, sharing together, social intercourse, partnership, joint participation, and close mutual association. So a lot of these different words, when you say fellowship, it, it means these various things. So you, you can see it means a lot, doesn't it? But that also shows the kind of relationship we can have with the Holy Spirit, Right? So I wanted to just boil that big list down to three main categories here. You could boil them down really to fellowship, partnership, and intimacy. Okay? So when we're talking about that word uh, koinonia, you could su suggest that these three things really encompass it. And I love the message's translation of that verse I just gave you. This is the message, okay? So 2 Corinthians, four, uh, the, the slide before, Dahlia? 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The intimate friendship. I love that, right? And so, so as Christians, we're, we're supposed to have and develop that intimate relationship with, uh, with the Holy Spirit that is totally available to every single one of us. And just a cursory look at the book of Acts shows us um, that that's, that was normal. They interacted with the Holy Spirit. They talked to him. They inquired of him all the time. And so it's not only uh, possible, it's what we're called to do. If you remember, we talked about how uh, one of the uh, imperatives in the Bible is that we walk and live in the Spirit, right? Galatians 5, 16. 
and 18 and 25 all say, walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. So how do you be led by the Spirit is the question I had. And part of the answer is through intimacy. It's through developing that relationship that's available to every single one of us. Okay, and so I want to kind of hit on that and talk about, well, how do you fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Right? Like, like okay, it's one thing to say, well, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, but what does that actually look like? And I want to talk about that uh, today and, and maybe another time or two, because there's certain keys that we can glean from the Bible that show us how we can grow deeper in our relationship with the Holy Spirit using examples from Scripture of people who really, really had deep intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about Paul. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but his life in the Spirit tells us a lot of how we can develop that relationship. I had that verse there. I love this. This is from the Message Version, John 14, 16 and 17. This is Jesus talking. He says, I'll talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend. And that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. He's our friend. Have you ever thought of the Holy Spirit as your friend? He's our companion. He's our advocate. He's our partner. Right? And so we can continue life in the spirit, developing this relationship as a friend. Just like Jesus was with his disciples when he walked the earth. So the early church, uh, I mentioned this, expected the Spirit to be intimately involved in their lives, and they invited his presence all the time, right? They talked to him, they inquired of him, they spoke to him. Acts gives us a glimpse about how much communication happened between the Holy Spirit and the early believers, and I mentioned this a bit last week. You can see this throughout, how the Holy, it says the Holy Spirit sp- spoke to Peter. Peter, go with those people. I sent them to you, right? Like, it's just clear sentences. Or in Acts 15, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you, right? And so that goes to show that they actually inquired of the Holy Spirit, and they took what he said seriously. They're always inquiring of him, Okay. But the the good news is that the Spirit desires to walk in equally close fellowship with us today, right? We don't have to look at the relationship that the early church had and just be like, oh, that's nice for them, but it's different for us. No way. We can have, God's no respected person, and we can still have that same relationship as they had. And I love this verse. I just wanted to give this to you. This is James 4, verse 5, out of the Amplified Bible. Look at what it says. Or do you suppose that the scripture speaking to no purpose that says the spirit whom is called, or sorry, who he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us. The spirit yearns over us. And he yearns for the spirit to be welcome with a jealous love. Isn't that interesting? Not only does the spirit yearn for us, for that relationship, but also God yearns that we would welcome the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our presence, in our midst. It works both ways, okay? So that that goes to show how much, it says even with a jealous love, how God yearns for the Spirit to be welcomed by us. So we actually have a part to play. In fact, I was going to say this at the end, but it's true that you're as close to God as right now as you want to be. How many of you know that? How can I say that so confidently? The principle in Scripture in James 4, is that if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. We have a step, a part to play, right? But he promises if we take that step, if we actually draw near to him, that he will reciprocate and draw near to us, right? So, the question is in, how do we develop that intimate uh, kind of uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit that the early believers had, right? That's the question I have today. And today I want to talk about a major key to developing fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and this may or may not be a surprise to you, is prayer. Okay? So what I want to do is show you, though, through Scripture, how important prayer was to Paul the Apostle's life in the Spirit. Okay, so first we're going to look at uh, uh, prayer as a key to Paul's life in the Spirit. Then we're going to look at what happens, how the Spirit responds when we pray. Okay, and you'll see that it's, it, we can develop this amazing relationship with him through prayer. 
All right, so first, like I said, I want to talk about fellowship of the Holy Spirit through prayer, key from Paul's life in the Spirit. So what I want to start off by saying is it's clear in the Bible that Paul the Apostle had a rich life of prayer, right? I mean, honestly, if you just look at his letters, he starts off almost every single one of his letters with a thanksgiving for the people and a prayer. The only exception is Galatians, I think, and maybe Timothy. Uh, the pastoral letters. Otherwise, he's always, he's always starting off with Thanksgiving. And what's amazing about that, if you think about it, some of those churches, most of them, in fact, were giving him a really hard time. Imagine how hard it would be to be thankful for those people who were persecuting him. But he starts off, I thank God for all of you. Right? I thank God for you. So, um, whatever else life in the Spirit meant for Paul meant a life devoted to prayer, accompanied by joy and thanksgiving. And I'm going to show you this in a second. So Paul prayed regularly and continuously, and he urges all of us to do the same. So I'm going to just show you some scriptures on this. This is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 19. Look at this. Rejoice always. <laughs> right? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Not just sometimes, continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. Not some circumstances. All, how many can, can admit that's challenging sometimes? But that's what Paul said. All circumstances. And that's, you, Paul lived what he preached, right? You can see, like I said, he was having crazy, crazy challenging times with the Corinthians, for instance. But yet he starts off his letter, I thank God for all of you. <laughs> then he royally rebukes them. <laughs> but he thanked God in all circumstances, Right? Now, what's interesting, oh, and, this, and then he says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many of you want to know God's will for your life? <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> that's, that's generally his will for you, that you would do all these things. But look at the very next verse. Isn't it interesting? Right after he says, and don't quench the spirit. It's funny, I was going to talk about this, and then I realized that verse happens right after. And I didn't think of this before, but what's interesting is have you ever thought of maybe one way we quench the Spirit is by not doing those things? Contextually, right? It happens right after he says, it's, it almost seems random, right? Don't, don't quench the Spirit. So perhaps one way of quenching the Spirit is by not doing these things. Have you ever thought of that? So in other words, rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks attract the Holy Spirit. Right? And that's what we're talking about today is, is, is how do we develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit? And in fact, I'm going to show you some examples later that prayer does attract the Holy Spirit. So for Paul, and I want to say this because, because the Holy Spirit's integrally, he plays an integral role in our prayers, in our prayer life. And, the, and, and the, Paul's idea of prayer was radically transformed by the coming of the Holy Spirit in the New Covenant. Okay, so as one who lived in and by the Spirit, Paul understood prayer in particular to be the special prompting of the Spirit. And I'm going to show you this. The Holy Spirit is the divine prayer, <laughs> right? He's the one through whom we pray. And this is why Paul says, this is Ephesians 6.18, pray in or by the Spirit on all occasions, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Not some occasions. Isn't that interesting? Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And not only that, this, it, this applies to every form of prayer. Right? So this is Ephesians 6.18. I'll just read it. He says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Right? That's praying in the Spirit. Then he says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Always. <laughs> right? So it's, it's a continual thing. But you can see how integrally related the Holy Spirit was in Paul's prayer life and how we're supposed to do the same. We're supposed to do that all the time on all occasions, pray in the Spirit. So remember that the Spirit, I, may, I started off by saying that the Spirit's our friend and he's our helper and he leads us into all truth. He, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit. Okay? So a major way that the Spirit does this, how he helps us, 
is because we don't know what to pray. So he prays through us and intercedes on our behalf for that reason. Isn't that amazing? And I'm going to show you this awesome verse on this. Right? He's our helper. He's our advocate. He's our friend. So this is Romans 8, 26 to 27. It says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. Isn't that amazing? So when you pray in the Spirit, it's always in accordance to God's will. And if you remember last time I spoke, I spoke how the Spirit's ministry, part of it is to reveal God's will to you, right? Isn't that interesting how not only does he reveal God's will to us, you can see this in 2 Corinthians 2, 6 through 9, he, or 10 rather, he also intercedes on our behalf according to the will of God. So, you, so there's no, it's a perfect prayer. You can't go wrong praying in the Spirit because you know that he's praying according to God's perfect will. And that's an awesome thing, isn't it? So, this, now, what's interesting about this verse is it says that he makes intercession for us with an inarticulate groanings, depending on your translation. Translation, But most likely, this refers to speaking in tongues. Okay? So, what he's saying then is that as we pray in the Spirit, as we pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit's interceding for us on our behalf in accordance to God's perfect will. And what's interesting is throughout Scripture, you can see that prayer and praise seem to be the best way to view Paul's understanding of tongues. And that's why he says pray in the Spirit. He says sing in the Spirit, right? And so it's always from us to God when we're praying in the Spirit. And I'm going to just show you a verse on this because it's a really neat thing. When you read 1 Corinthians, you don't really get a glimpse. Paul doesn't talk about him very much, himself very much. But he does sometimes, and the only times he does, he, it's when he's rebuking and correcting someone else. Like, for instance, he doesn't really talk about revelations he's had, except when he's royally rebuking the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 12, and he has to basically stoop to their level and say, okay, I've had these heavenly revelations too. <laughs> and he's like, I'm a fool for saying this. But then you get a glimpse of these crazy, amazing encounters he's had. It's the same thing right here. You get it. He, had to, he had to correct some of the uh, misuse of tongues in the church of Corinth. And he gives us a little bit of a glimpse of his spiritual life here, of his own prayer life. Okay, so, so this is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I'm just going to give you a few verses. Okay, so in verse 2 he says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So, of course, it's the Holy Spirit who's praying through us when we're praying in tongues. But look at this. This is Paul now talking about himself. Okay, this is verse 14 and 17. He says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. Then he says, I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. You see that, right? So he's, not only is his prayer, but his worship life of singing, he'll pray in the Spirit, and he'll also, but he'll also pray in his, with his understanding as well. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the Spirit, how can someone else who is, who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving? Isn't that interesting? When you praise God in the Spirit, he, it's, he says you're giving thanksgiving to God. Since they don't know what you're saying, you are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. So in other words, we know when we sing in the Spirit, it's a worship song. It's a song of thanksgiving. And, and remember, those three things go together, rejoicing, thanksgiving, and prayer. Now look at this. A key, the key point that I'm trying to get at here is praying and praising in the Spirit was an important Paul, part of Paul's life in the Spirit. And this is why he's, he's, he says he spoke in tongues a lot. Now, when you think of the church of Corinth, a lot of people think of how they were messing it up and, you know, crazy charismatics. Because they, they loved tongues. <laughs> they loved it. You can just see this. This is why Paul had to bring some correction. They were just doing it too much. He's like, guys, guys, guys. Okay, come on now. Simmer down a little bit. 
There's more to just the Holy Spirit than tongues. That's why he says diversity, 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 right? Some have healing, some have prophecy. It's not just tongues, and they're all doing tongues. But look at what he says here. So even though they spoke in tongues clearly a ton, look at what he says. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Oh, the last slide. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. How audacious is that? He's like, I, I, I speak tongues more than all of you guys. You don't even know how much I speak in tongues. You guys think you're so spiritual. I think I speak in tongues more than all of you. It's like, how did Paul know how, that he could say such a thing? But he did. That's how much he clearly spoke in tongues. And that's probably why he tells us, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. I'm guessing Paul probably did, right? Always be, but, but he still had to bring that correction. But you can see his heart in this. Right? The value he places on praying in the Spirit is expressed in his desire for all of us to do likewise. So you can see this in 1 Corinthians 14.5. He, he actually says, I would like that every one of you to speak in tongues. He's like, that's my desire, guys. I wish that all of you would speak in tongues. But then he goes on and says, but I would rather that you prophesy so that others are edified. But the point is, you can see his heart here. He's like, I want all you to speak in tongues, and you all can. You just need to bring some order to it, right? You, you can't all just be speaking at the same time because that's chaos. Now, if, and this is also why in Ephesians 6, 8, he says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So clearly, talking about fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, talking about life in the Spirit, talking about praying in the Spirit, Paul was a huge advocate a huge advocate of praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, right? And he exhorts us to do the same. In fact, in Jude 20, it actually says that building up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, right? And so it's an exhortation for us to pray in the Spirit in all occasions. So why is praying in the Spirit so important? I already mentioned this, that not only does praying in the Spirit assist us in our weaknesses, because he prays in accordance to God's will. That's Romans 8, 26, 27. But praying in the Spirit is also his provision for us, his people, in other areas of weakness, specifically in the ongoing struggle against principalities and powers. Spiritual warfare. We don't know what we're supposed to pray in those contexts. And this is why Paul says, look, pray in the Spirit. That's how you defeat them. So I'm talking about, if, if you don't know, Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to give you a glimpse of it, but starting in verse 10, all the way down, he talks about the armor of God. How many of you have heard of the armor of God? Yeah. So the gospel provides us with offensive armor, right, against the onslaught of the enemy, the helmet of salvation, right, the, the shield of faith, uh, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, uh, the feet shotted with the gospel of peace, but notice those aren't weapons. Those are armor <laughs> protecting from the enemy's attacks. Now, God provides us with an offensive weapon, but both of them are by the Spirit. And I want to show you this, okay? So he, we're, we're, we're told to use our quote-unquote spirit weapons to engage the enemy. And that's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and praying in the Spirit. Now, I'm going to just show you this is... Uh, starting in uh, Ephesians 6, starting in verse 17, going to verse 20 now. Okay, talking about praying in the Spirit. So Paul says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now one thing I want to say about that verse is Paul's not probably talking about Scripture. And the reason I'm saying that is because the word, word, is not the word Scripture there. There's two types of Greek words that you use. When you're using the word for Scripture, it's the word logos. He's actually using the word rhema. How many of you heard of that word, rhema? What that means is it's actually a here now word from the Holy Spirit. The Holy, the Word of God, the Holy... Remember we talked last week about the Holy Spirit speaks. Okay? So you take what He speaks to you to engage the enemy. He gives you the clues and the keys to use in the warfare. Now, don't get me wrong. I totally believe you can and should use Scripture, and that could technically be the word because the Holy Spirit inspired it, and you see Jesus doing this in the desert when Satan's attacking him. He uses Scripture to defeat him. Okay, so use Scripture. I do it. I recommend it. But contextually here, Paul's actually talking about 
words from the Holy Spirit. That's your sword. But then he goes on and says, and look at this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's... How many can see Lord? the prayer is important here? <laughs> Praying in the Spirit, he's like, oh, he can't say it enough. All occasions, always pray for everything, right, all the time. Okay, so he says, always praying for all the... And then he says, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I'll fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare fearlessly as I should. And this is a good scripture for evangelism. Praying for those who are preaching the gospel, preaching it fiercely as they should, right? So this applies to everything. So we need to pray in the spirit. We need to pray for others uh, according to the scriptural imperatives. Now, what I want to say is here in particular, we're talking about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about how the Holy Spirit is our friend, how he helps us, how he's our advocate. Right? And here in particular, you can see the Spirit is our true friend and aid, right? Because we don't know how to pray as we ought. We need to lean more heavily on praying in or by the Holy Spirit to carry on such spiritual warfare effectively. We don't always know what the enemy's doing, do we? Right? We don't always see in the spirit realm. How do we deal with that then? Romans 8:26, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf as we pray in the Spirit. So that's a huge key if you're under attack. A huge key. Praying in the Spirit all on all occasions at all kinds of prayers and requests. How do you defeat the enemy? Right? And, and Paul actually tells Timothy to wage warfare with the prophetic words he was given. The sword of the Spirit. You're given a prophetic word and, the enemy, and, and you're under attack and it looks like the opposite. What do you do? You attack back with those prophetic words saying, no, the Lord told me I'm, going to, I'm called to do this or whatever the word is, right? And that's what you use to defeat the enemy. So prayer, talking about prayer now, prayer is a big topic. Prayer, therefore, is not simply our cry of desperation or our grocery list of requests that we bring before God. Prayer is an activity inspired by God himself through his Holy Spirit, through that fellowship, through intimacy. And as you spend time with him, you'll notice he'll prompt you to pray in the Spirit. He'll prompt you to pray for certain people. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You might just get inspired sometime. Hey, you're thinking of someone. I'm supposed to pray for them, right? So you see, the Holy Spirit prompts us in our prayer life in what we're supposed to pray. So it's God siding with us in his, uh, with his own empowering presence, bringing forth prayer that's in keeping with his will and his ways. Now, what I want to say, we're talking about now Paul's prayer life, is that not only is prayer an amazing way we communicate to God, which it is. How many of you know communication is a two-directional two thing, <laughs> right? It works both ways. The awesome thing about prayer is God takes that opportunity to speak to us if we'll listen. It's an amazing thing. See, the problem is, and, and I'm, I'm all for asking, because clearly Jesus tells us to ask for things. So the quote-unquote shopping list or whatever is not totally wrong if you're asking, but there's more to prayer than just asking. Okay? There's way more to prayer than just seeking. There's knocking. But my point in saying this is that we need to listen. right? If we're just doing all the talking and never listening, we have no idea, Right? what the Holy Spirit might be trying to tell us. So that's why waiting on God is so crucial. You need to actually wait on God. That's why I love soaking all the stuff, actually waiting in the presence of the Lord. And he will speak to us for sure, guaranteed, but we actually need to listen. That's why I love Mark Verkler's teachings, that, and, and we have two groups doing them with the, hearing God's voice. His, his whole ministry is about this, communion with God. Actually asking the Lord a question, waiting on the Lord, and then writing what you're hearing. Pretty simple, right? Flowing. But that's what it takes. It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. So, it's often during prayer when the Spirit takes an opportunity to speak to us, which is an important part of fellowship, is the point in saying that. So I just want to show you this here. You can see this in, all throughout the Bible, okay? In the book of Acts particularly, but communion with the Holy Spirit through prayer. And I want to call that fellowship time, okay? We're talking about prayer. Talking about fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Like how weird would it be 
if you were married to someone and you were in the same house all day and you never said one word to them? Ever. <laughs> like, how many of you know that relationship's probably going to be uh, going somewhere not good if you never talk? Right? It's the same. If you want to develop any kind of relationship, how many of you know you got to put in time, you need to talk to them, hear their hearts, seeing what they feel? It's the same thing with God. Right? That's why it says we need to draw near to God and he'll draw near to it. We have to actually put in the time to develop that friendship with him. Like any friendship. That'd be awkward and rude, wouldn't it? If you just like, imagine driving like eight hours with someone and not even acknowledging him or putting, that's like, imagine how the Holy Spirit feels if we never acknowledge him. And sometimes that all it takes, that's all it takes is just acknowledging him. Hey, Holy Spirit. That's like I, why I love that book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's what revolutionized Benny Hinn. Hey, go figure. Just talking to the Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Bam. <laughs> Dramatic encounter. His life's transformed. Now he's going around the world, uh, right, doing the stuff with the Spirit. Anyway, uh, so I want to just show you this. This is the Holy Spirit. It's a neat thing. And I want to raise our expectations that prayer is not a boring thing. It's really crazy cool. And the Holy Spirit loves to show up when we pray. Okay? So the book of Acts shows us that often people experience more of the Spirit when praying. They get filled with the Spirit just as a function of them praying. Not even necessarily for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He's just, bam, I'm going to fill you because you prayed. We also see that the Spirit speaks to people in various ways when they're praying. And this can happen through encounters, experiences of visions and revelations, prophetic words, and so forth. So we all know this story, but I want to show you, this is a key. Acts chapter 1, Jesus gives the Great Commission, says, guys, okay, wait in Jerusalem for a few days, uh, so I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that the, that the Father promised. So what do they do? They go to Jerusalem in the upper room, and look at verse 14. They all join together constantly in prayer. Constantly. Okay? Along with, with everyone else. Oh, wait, can you go back? Then, then, fast forward to Acts 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, right? Because they were just praying constantly together. And what happens? Verse 4, all of them were what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Notice, right? I don't want to overemphasize tongues. Um, in this sermon, it makes sense to. But look, the first thing that happens when you feel the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, pray, right? We're talking about that. But what the point I'm trying to make is it was in the context of a prayer meeting. And the Holy Spirit shows up, wind, fire, and they all get filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? But that's not an isolated incident. Look at this. This is just a few chapters later with the same people, the apostles. Okay? They just got royally persecuted. And then what I love about this for preaching the gospel, they go back and they, they pray for more boldness to preach. The very thing they got totally persecuted for. I love that. The boldness. Okay? So this is Acts chapter 4, 24. It says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Okay, and then you can read the prayer for yourself. It's a great prayer. But look what happens. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Talk about an awesome prayer meeting. Shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And spoke the word of God boldly. You see how, right? They encountered and were filled with the Spirit as a function of praying. You see what I'm saying? Now, in that prayer, they didn't pray for more of the Holy Spirit. They were praying for boldness to preach, signs, wonders, and stuff. Okay? So, but no, regardless, that's how God answered them. Okay, I'm going to fill you with my Spirit because you guys called out in prayer to me. Prayer meetings are awesome. And they attract the Holy Spirit. Okay? So if you want to be filled with the Spirit, notice these are corporate prayer gatherings. That's a really powerful thing to do. And in fact, there's the intercession meeting this Tuesday at Howie and Diane's at 7 p.m. Holy Ghost come. Amen. But here's just a couple other examples. We're talking about not only encountering the Holy Spirit in prayer, right? Throughout the book of Acts, you see it's when they were praying that he speaks to them. It's almost like random. It's just like, it's like he went to pray and all of a sudden, bam, Holy Spirit comes. Okay, so I'm gonna, these are just off the top of my head. There's, I'm sure there's more in this, but I'm just going to give you a few examples. Again, to raise our expectations, believing the Holy Spirit's going to come as we pray, because that's a key to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's a key to hearing God's voice. So this is Acts chapter 10. I'm just going to give you a couple verses. This is Peter now. Okay, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey <laughs> approaching the city, Peter went on the roof to what? Pray. 
okay? He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, look at this. He fell into a trance while he was praying. That's what I want you to notice. And then he saw heaven open and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. Now I want to fast forward, right? So that's the point. He's in prayer, has this vision in a trance. Then in verse 19, it says, when Peter was still thinking about this vision, because it was perplexing, the Spirit speaks to him. Right? Notice it's in this posture of prayer. He has his vision, then the Spirit speaks clearly to him. Look at this. Three sentences. Simon, three men are looking for you, so go down, uh, get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I've sent them. Clearly speaks three full sentences in the context of prayer. And P Peter didn't even ask the Holy Spirit, to our knowledge. He was just thinking about it, and the Holy Spirit speaks to him. But it's that posture of heart being in his presence in prayer that gives him that opportunity to speak. And he takes that opportunity. Okay? Acts 13. This is another example. Look at this. Verse 2 and 4. While they were worshiping the Lord. That's another key we'll talk about someday. And fasting. Remember this Wednesday, fast. Have it on the joyful tidings. The Holy Spirit said. Look, they're just worshiping, fasting. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit speaks. <laughs> Who knows if it's audible or not. But clearly, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I've called them. This is the commissioning of Paul the Apostle in the midst of worship, right? How many of you felt the presence of God in the worship today? Come on. Did the Holy Spirit speak to any of you during worship today? Anyone? Yeah? Awesome. That's a great time to be in tune because he often speaks to people. In fact, I remember Bill Johnson said when he's in worship, he has a pad and paper beside him, and he just all throughout worship, the Lord will be speaking to him. So it's a good, good practice. I notice John Arnett does that too. I don't know if always, but when I sat by him, he does that. But anyway, then look at this. So after they had fasted and, look, prayed, the pl they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Again, in the midst of prayer. In the midst of prayer. Right? Prayer is such a key to all of the, to the fellowship, to life in the Spirit. You never know what's going to happen. It's like one day they're worshiping, and all of a sudden the Spirit's like, call for me, Paul and Barnabas. I'm sure that's not what he talks like, but, right? And that's, that's changed the world. You never know what's going to, anything can happen. In worship, prayer, anything can happen. Now look at this. That, those aren't isolated incidents. Acts 22, same thing. Paul's talking now. He says, when I returned to Jerusalem and what? Was praying. Look what happened. At the temple, I fell into a trance. Notice every time they talk about people falling into a trance and having these kind of encounters, they're praying. Isn't that interesting? It's in the midst of prayer. Because the Holy Spirit takes that opportunity to speak to us in different ways. So, and then he says, and I saw the Lord speaking to me quick, he said. Leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Holy Spirit's warning him because he's his friend. He's like, hey, hey, Paul, you got to get out of here. You know, how many of you want the Holy Spirit to warn us like that? Yeah, it's awesome. It's all through fellowship. So all of these examples show us that the Holy Spirit actively communicates to us during prayer. This is why prayer is such a powerful part of fellowshipping with him, right? Communion with God, communication, talking with him. Through prayer, we encounter him more and grow deeper in our relationship with him. So it's pretty simple. What should we do in light of all this? Talking about fellowship with the Holy Spirit, right? Right? I don't even know. This probably goes without saying. But what I, I do want to say is look at this. How do we live life in the Spirit? Like I said, this is a fundamental part of Christianity. How do we live life in the Spirit? A major key is fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Then the question I had is, how do you fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Today we talked about an important key is prayer. Spending time, inquiring of Him, speaking to Him, asking Him questions. Just being in His presence. Prayer. Right, Haja? <laughs> Amen. Exactly. Prayer is awesome. That's her main, I think, life message, that's safe to say. Pray, pray, pray. We love that. Oh, really? Apparently that was just prophesied over. That's awesome. God is good. See, he speaks in prayer. 
Like any friend, the way you grow deeper in intimacy is through communication on a regular basis. A regular basis. This is why Paul said, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Rejoice always. Pray continually all the time, right? Now, I know that's... Now, how do you do that? A lot of people, like, if you think about, okay, if you're at work, you can't just, like, be on your knees the whole time praying, or else you might get fired if you're not doing your job. Pray in the Spirit. You can pray in the Spirit. That's the beauty of it, right? Your mind, you don't even need to really engage your mind. You just pray in the Spirit under your breath. You can do that all the time, and I'm sure Paul probably did that. As we take time to commune with the Holy Spirit by praying, the fruit of it is that we'll get to know Him through intimacy, and through encountering his presence and hearing his voice. You want to hear God's voice more clearly? Honestly, pray. Pray and wait for an answer. Ask him questions. He will answer you. He might answer you in different ways. It might, it might be prompting. It might be an impression. It might be a vision, a trance like they had. Who knows? God is really creative, but he can speak and he will speak. Guarantee you can do the method that Mark Verkler teaches with flow and writing and journaling. But he will speak. But we actually have to take the time to do it. And I mentioned this earlier, that we're as close to God right now as we want to be, right? The principle of James 4.8, come near to God, he'll come near to you. So we have to take that active step to develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Our part is to draw close to him, and he promises to do the same, to draw near to us. So the take-home message, get to know the Holy Spirit. (laughs) One way to do it is just pray, come Holy Spirit. Spend that time with him. That's like, read that book from Benny Hinn. He talks about how, how this happened with him. And he just spent time with the Holy Spirit talking with him. You know, beautiful Holy Spirit. You know Benny Hinn. Precious Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would come. It's awesome. Ask him to speak to you. Right? And he will. You just have to wait on him. And I guarantee you, he'll speak to you. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. <laughs> now, what I wanted to do today is... How many of you know this is any occasion? How many of you know this is one of the all occasions? <laughs> Come on, this is an occasion, right? I guarantee you, and now uh, I'm just going to put on some music. And if you, you, you got to go, you're welcome to go. But if you want to stay, I want to put on some music, and I want to actually just do this corporately. Because you guys saw in those examples I gave in Acts, um, hey, Trish, do you want What I want to do is put on some background music, and I want to show you this. Because the beauty of this is it's so simple. When you even say his name, Holy Spirit, if you close your eyes and just put out your hand and say, Holy Spirit, and just say that, he, you'll start to feel him, probably. Okay? So some of you might not feel him in that way, but that's okay. He's there. But just acknowledging him you feel his presence. And you start to commune with him in that way. You start to, you might feel tingling. You might feel uh, peace. A lot of people feel peace. But it's the Holy Spirit, his presence. And, and what I want to recommend is that we'll do this together and, and he will reveal himself to you. That's what we're going to believe. And I encourage you just to ask him questions. Now, if you don't pray in the spirit, that is fine. When I, when I first got tongues, it was sovereign. I was praying and yeah go figure I was praying in English and the Holy Spirit said open your mouth and speak and I did and I had a five hour encounter with tongues no one prayed for me nothing I was by myself that could happen here in in Mark 16 it says these signs will follow those who believe the first thing he says they'll speak in other tongues so if you have the Holy Spirit if you're a believer you can you can speak in tongues now if you want prayer for that, we'll love to pray for you for that, okay? So see us after, and we'll pray that you will get tongues and released in it. But you don't need to speak in tongues. Paul said he also spoke with his understanding. So all you have to do even is say, Holy Spirit, come. Or Holy Spirit, if you have a burden on your heart, what do you want to speak to me today? Okay? Whatever it is. just Or you can just say, Holy Spirit. Or you can just say, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit loves to come So I'm going to have this music going. And feel free to just, you can do it out loud too. You can pray in the Spirit. You can sing in the Spirit. We'll just do this for a few minutes. And like I said, if you got to go, feel free. Uh, After, we'll have a time of hospitality and fellowship and so forth. No pressure to do this. But I believe that as we do this together, there's power in it and the Holy Spirit will come. Okay? So I'm going to just turn this up a bit.
and feel free, just however you feel it, but acknowledge him. Be in a state of prayer and worship.
his presence. And he will speak to you.